Ooh, revenge. Revenge of the bubbly sodas. Mic check. One, two. Mic check. Can you check my mic from over there? What does it look like? How's it looking? Well, it, it looks vertical. Mm, that's it good. looks like there's a pop filter yeah. between your mouth and the mic in the <laughs> place where it should be. How about now? Exactly the same. Oh. Well, how about now? <laughs> it seems like you may have dislocated your jaw, <laughs> but otherwise the good. mic is good. The practice worked. Hey, dear listener. Welcome. Episode 12. We've missed you. Two most difficult. We've done more traveling and in addition to all the traveling, we were yep. at PAX last weekend. We were. We were. I guess we were. Yeah. Paul was extremely restrained. Oh, man. I am so proud of myself. Yeah. You only bought four new games. I only bought four. Oh, dear listener. Here. Hold on a second. Go, Laura. Uh, earmuffs. Dear listener, should I tell her that I actually that it's actually five? Because I did come away with four, but we played a game, we liked it, so I bought it online, and it's being delivered. So maybe it's five. It's, it doesn't count. It Can do- I take these earmuffs off now, Paul? Yeah, go ahead. It doesn't count if you don't actually buy it at PAX. So you're right. Wait, what were you talking about, Earmuffs Paul? back on. Earmuffs back on. I don't know what happened to those earmuffs. Those earmuffs. We need new earmuffs. You've broken the earmuffs. That's what happens when you keep using them so much. <laughs> I need eye muffs. Need- <laughs> That's why it's been so long. I know you're clamoring. I don't know how, you know, how one clamors is really a personal decision, I think. Um, no two people clamor the same, I'm sure. It's like a fingerprint. Yep. But if you've been clamoring, clamor no more because here we are. And uh, as you may or may not be aware, if you've been with us this whole time, uh, some Kickstartering happened over the last couple of years. We've mentioned a couple of games here and there, but I think this episode is definitely going to be like Kickstarter Roundup Volume 1. There's going to be multiple installments of this. I think so. Mostly because... There was a day, I don't know when it was, it was like a couple months ago. Yeah. And Paul says, so we have some Kickstarters coming this week. They've all shipped at the same time. Chinese New Year is over. I think literally everything was on the Ever Given, actually. Yeah. all of our Kickstarters. (laughs) Yeah. And it all got here at the same time, roughly. So in this episode, we've got three big boxes. We got Planet Unknown, we've got Super Fantasy Brawl, and we've got the the big the big bad boy, big beastie bad boy, Return to Dark Tower. And I think uh, I think I think that is a good first volume. Uh, we'll be we'll be figuring out what uh, volumes two through I don't know n plus one will be. <laughs> uh, so let's 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 go to the first one. Let's go to this first big box. And see what's going on over there on the on the unknown planet. When I look out into the cosmos, past the stars and comets and space dust that will inevitably rain down onto our planet. You can see past all that? Look, I have a device, okay? 
and it sees through all of that. I look past, uh-huh. I look past all the planets and asteroids. What's beyond the planets and asteroids is dust, Paul. Tesla floating out there in space, mm-hmm. past Planet X. I see a bunch of other planets, and they, I don't, I don't know much about them. Mm. I don't understand a whole lot about them. Me being the amateur astronomer and and astrophysicist that I am, that so I do in my spare time. Planets are not known. They are you. not known, right? They mm-hmm. are they are planet not known. I would classify them as. And there's you know there's about twelve of them out there. Um and and I think it would be really neat if I if we could just get out there and just check them out. If maybe. One of the ten mega corporations here on the planet could get their act together and get out there and check out those not known planets and start like building biomasses and, and yeah. sieves oh, yeah. on them and such. Yeah, yeah. Build mm-hmm. build the biomass, do the sieve, and uh, and and craft water. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, but until then, we're just gonna have to simulate what that would be like here in in planet unknown i mean this game is just actually a uh test for us to see if we would actually be skilled enough and successful enough to be on the missions to these planets yeah i feel like it's a pretty a pretty accurate simulator of what it would actually be like to colonize a planet it's basically like war games yeah but with planet colonization yeah all the math has clearly been worked out well in advance and and now has been brought to us in a sizable box Planet Unknown, published by Adam's Apple Games, and made available to me through Kickstarter. I think I pledged it at some point in the middle of 2020, and it arrived on our doorstep in a very big box, a very heavy box, chock full of tiles and little plastic bits and lots of planets. Mm -hmm. Chocking a box full of 12 planets. You wouldn't think you'd be able to fit 12 planets in there, but they did. And they're here now for us to explore and colonize. It's probably the reason they could fit is because one of the planets is a black hole. <laughs> so it just all crams down exactly. into that single black yes. hole. Getting them out is <laughs> is the difficult part. So Planet Unknown, it's a polyomino tile laying game. And we don't have a whole lot of those. So at the time, I figured, hey, let's back it. Seems cool. Seems like a kind of a labor of love. Definitely a lot of effort poured into this one. Mm-hmm. And we had probably recently been introduced to Terraforming Mars, too, at the time when you yeah. kick-started this. I think so. And I was like, man, what's better than terraforming a planet we do know? <laughs> what if we could colonize and terraform a bunch of planets we don't? Uh, so that's it. That's what we've got. It is most notable for having this rotating Lazy Susan here that, that comes with the game. The deluxe version, which we have, has this big molded plastic Lazy Susan. My understanding is that the retail version will just have a platter that turns with the with the pieces on it. But without no. the slots? Yeah, without the slots, without the, the little, the double-molded uh, Lazy Susan. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about this game and, and what you get in the box and, and well, what you're going to be doing. All right, so first impressions. You got a planet. Yeah. You got the Lazy Susan with a bunch of different shapes in it. Yep. Six different colors. Of land types yep. on these polyominoes. You got your green, you got your black, you got your red, you got your blue, you got your gray, and your, what is that, brown, brownish? Deserty. Deserty. 
and they all represent different terrain types. Forests. Green. Green. Water. Blue. Uh, energy is the, the deserty type. Mm-hmm. Tech is this cement, I guess. And civ is this other darker cement. Civ being short for civilization, of course. Not civilian. Or civility. There's plenty of civility on these planets. Because, like, you can't be rude to each other. Or they'll just throw you out an airlock. How many more words do you know that start with CIV? Well, give me a second. None. So you may carry on. Excellent. So you have on these polyaminos, uh, yeah. each one has two different land types. Okay. Yeah. Of those six colors we mentioned. There's also a building type for each of the land types as well, which they don't really need to put on there because the way the game plays, and we'll come back to this, but yeah. whenever you play a polyamino, you will advance your trackers for the corresponding colors. Yeah. And they remind you by putting a little building on there. I think sometimes the the building itself on the terrain matters. Oh, that's right. We had a bonus. Sometimes mm-hmm. it matters. So mm-hmm. they then they may as well put it on there for aesthetic reasons. And I think it probably does help with aesthetics. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I comment was drawn. Retracted. <laughs> so that's your 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 planet is covered in a grid and you have these polyominoes that are a series of grids in sizes two through what's the biggest one? Maybe six. A five. Five. So five I think is the biggest. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and then you have your what what would you call this? Player tracker? Uh, this is uh, like your corporation board. Yeah, with your scoring tracks. Yeah, there's five scoring tracks. One for each of the aforementioned colors. Energy is a special one. Kind of a wild one. Yep. And you also have a little place to put the things that you collect from the planet. Life pods. I think every planet starts with six scattered about. And meteors. And That's it. Yep. Those are the things on the planet. Yeah. And then there's your rovers. Oh, yeah. That you will put down onto the planet. So yep. there's little spots on your board for all of these things. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the basic setup here, um, if I were to tablecloth, like tablecloth under the flowers, these tiles that are currently on there, perfect. <laughs> no problem. Uh, the, the basic planet that you could play with, and the one featured very heavily on the box cover, is the titular Planet Unknown. It has, it has uh, these life pod spots, and it has some ice. Most planets have ice on them. The ice matters because that's the only place you can put uh, the water part of any tiles. A water spot from your polyamino has to be on the water. It's yep. a little bit yeah. squishy, the rules there. It's a little squishy there. I, I think I think the point of the ice is that it's supposed to give you a little bit of constraint. So otherwise mm. you're just putting mm-hmm. tiles however you want. So it's yep. just an extra rule for how to how to orient these tiles when you put them on there. And, and the tiles themselves have these little fireballs, which indicate that um, when you put the tile on the planet, then you're going to take one of these little meteorites and put it on that fireball. And the reason those fireballs, those meteorites are important is because at the end of the game, this grid that we talked about, you're going to score points for the rows and the columns that you've completely filled with squares from your tiles. Except for ones that still have meteors on them. Yeah, or, or the life pods too. Like you can't have any open spaces, right? So if you put a tile on top of a life pod, that life pod goes away forever. And that is one point you won't be getting at the end of the game. 
You want to put these tiles down to complete nice rows and columns uh, without any gaps in them or any meteorites so that you can score some points. That's a good source of points for you. Yep. It's kind of like when you're playing Tetris mm. and you get the four by one yeah. and you drop it in that slot that you've left for it, which gets rid of four rows all at the same yep. time. And they all disappear. The other ways to score points are uh, driving your rover over these life pods that, that start uh, on your planet at the start of the game. You drive your rover, bloop, pick them right up. And if you drive your rover over these meteorites, you can collect those too, and you'll get one point for every three meteorites. But there's ways to increase that stuff yep. as well. Um, the flow of the game is, is pretty straightforward at the start of the turn. And I say the turn because everyone takes their turn at the same time. You flip over an event card. You do what it says. Yep, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yep, and then in a multiplayer game, whoever's the active player gets to choose what part of the Lazy Susan is in front of them. Thereby also determining what part of the Lazy Susan is in front of all of the opponents as well. Yep, and in a two-player game, they suggest, why don't you just rotate it one spot counterclockwise or clockwise every time. Um, sometimes, you know, you can even just try playing randomly if you want. It's your game. We played it both ways. We tried the ticking the dial around. We tried it with random. Yeah, the fun police aren't going to show up and arrest you. <laughs> they're not as they're not as as thorough or as uh, uh, zealous as the Scottish accent police. The the fun police are pretty chill about that kind of stuff. Um, but that that's it. You then get to draft a tile from the lazy Susan. You'll have always have two choices available. What the game calls a big one and a small one. That's what I would have called it too. I would yeah, sure I would have called it the maybe the the large one and the minuscule one. But I, I like you know <laughs> I like to just use slightly different words than what other people use. It makes communication excellent. Um, and then you you pick one of those tiles, put it on the board, following the tile rules. Most of the tile rules are what you would expect. You got to share edges with an existing tile. You got to put at least one space of the water part of a tile on on existing water or ice, they call it, on your planet. Once you've put a tile down, you're going to move your scoring tracker up based on the two terrains that were on that tile. So if I drop a tile that has a, a, a forest section and a civilization section. Then your biomass track, the green one, yep. and the sieve track, the black one, will both advance one. There are these little cubes with cube slots. Yep. And on these tracks are bonuses and other things that you can do the simplest ones are hey you moved a cube onto this space now move another cube up a space or you can move this one up a space again uh, or hey you get a little one patch of green that you can put there just to fill in those little gaps that maybe you've left on your planet or it can just be something like at the end of the game you'll get this many points um, other things include uh, if you if you raise your civilization track up enough you get to draw from a pile of civilization cards and, and get an immediate bonus or an end-of-game scoring bonus. There's a little bit of set collection in there, too. The real draw for, I think, the corporations here are the technologies. There's the tech track. Um, it's, it's one of the score tracks, just like the others. And there's five tech levels, and they'll unlock uh, cool bonuses. Tile adjacency placement restrictions can be ignored. So you can just start dropping tiles anywhere on the planet that you want. And that's the first level tech on the level standard one board, right? That's a pretty sweet one to get early yeah. on for sure. Yeah. It's a major rule to just throw out right away. Yep. 
Uh, you may store biomass patches to be placed at the end of the game. Also very handy because, as you might imagine, in a Tetrisy type game, you will find yourself having to place something that leaves a gap. Yep. Um, the the rovers we talked about earlier, most of the time when you move your cube up the rover tracker, that's going to give you some amount of rover movement points that you can spend to move one or more of your rovers around. So if I got three rover points to spend, I can move one of them one spot and uh, move the other one two spots. And like I said, those rovers are going to pick up those life pods and those meteorites. But that's about it. You kind of just, you, you, you go from turn to turn to turn, flipping over an event card, spinning the old, the old Lazy Susan in the way that your group sees fit, drafting tiles, putting them on the planet, moving, moving up, your cubes, moving them cubes up. And then you just do that until uh, the main way the game is going to end is if the uh, event cards run out and there's 20, I think is what the rule book says. So you're going to have at most 20 turns. Uh, the other way is if uh, there's a player who can't do a legal placement, they still get to draft a tile and they'll still get to move their scoring trackers up. But that's end game. But that's it. They, they, they don't get to place it on their planet, and, and that ends the game for everybody. And then you do a little bit more end game scoring. You know, how many of those life pods did you pick up? How high are you on each of these scoring tracks? The set collection in some of these civilization cards that I mentioned earlier. And there are the public objectives as well. And I think there's a draw to keep one private objective. For some private objectives. Yep. And then the, the rows and columns, like we said, on the planets. All in all, it's, it's a pretty straightforward experience. Uh, and I think the the main draw of the game comes in the other sides of these planet boards. Uh, on one side is Planet Unknown. It comes with like 12 of those. But then on the other side, whoa, these are crazy planets. Who Mine can- was called Lacuna and has Swiss cheese holes all over it that you can't place tiles over. Say it again. I believe it is Lacuna. Is it? Yeah. I don't think it's the liquid you. Is it Superman or Superman? Do you say coupon or coupon? Oh, we're going to look it up. Lacuna or Lacuna. Should I put that again for the, for the mic? Lacuna or Lacuna. Okay, all right. Put that away. Sounds like we might both be right. <laughs> Fine. We're just going to cut right here. And boop. Wait, so when you thought I was wrong. No, nope, we're cutting. That we're... wasn't cut. No, nope, but... cut. Boop. Okay. <laughs> so we're clear. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about your planet again. My planet Lacuna. is full of Swiss cheese holes. Yeah. Uh, and I had to work around all of these holes to, you know, place these oddly shaped tetrominoes or polyominoes uh, around them. I ended up using quite a quite a bit of little patches. It was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. It was also most definitely more fun than playing the original side. I we, would say we got all kinds of planets here. We could, come on down, come on down to Planet Unknown's Unknown Planetaporium. You had a really weird one, your black hole. Oh yeah, I got the black hole, which is uh, a big, uh, impassable area, dead center in the board here. It's very large, and and the the ice patches are in the the four corners, and those ice patches are the only place you can put the water tiles. So if you ever draft a water tile, you got to make sure you have some some open spots to put it. Otherwise, you've just ended the game. We've got Gaia, which is a planet that has all these little cities. And if you leave them uncovered, then you get uh, two points for every city that you've left uncovered. You've got this planet here, K273, a whole bunch of water, all kinds of water. Uh, And you can't place any tiles that overlap both planet terrain and the water. 
Then there was the one that you almost played with the other night that had those currents of energy through it. Yeah, man, that just gets weird. Um, uh, what it'll do there's is there's no water on that planet. There's no water. So if you draft a water tile, you can't place it. And the game, from what I can tell, is over. And I decided I am not ready for that level of responsibility yet. So we just decided to repick, and that's how I ended up with a giant black hole. All kinds of, of interesting and, and unique planets. No idea how well they're balanced against each other. And I'm starting to think that with this game, maybe that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't think it can possibly be the point. I don't think that these have been... <laughs> Play tested at all. Yeah. I was going to say enough. Yeah. But let's go with at all. Sure. Certainly enough for there to be any kind of actual thoughtful balance between them but even if there were wait hold on there's more there's more because the scoring tracks that i mentioned there's 10 of them because on the other sides of them there's also varying levels of corporations and stuff as well you got cosmos incorporated you got wormhole corp oasis unlimited republic flux industries amazon.com what no <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um you've got all these different corporations that have all these different technologies and different ways of moving the cubes around you just got variety upon variety upon variety yep the one that i had last night had extra rovers which yeah. was fun but the downside was that i couldn't just drive over a meteorite and have collected it i had to pick up the meteorite put it on top of my rover yeah. and then drive it back to one of the rover icons on the red spots that I'd already placed. Yeah, to be like an Instacart driver, but for meteorites. Oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, the one that I played let you move your cubes up the score trackers, but if you wanted to, you could just like boop, hop one of your cubes over to a different track. Leading to the question, yeah. if the biomass tracker is on the rover track, yeah. Is it still a biomass tracker? We decided yes in the interest of just <laughs> getting through the game. Uh, there's a lot of questions on the old BGG website rules forum. But, you know, I, I think I think despite the looseness of the rules, if you're all just willing to kind of agree on how it actually works just to get through it, maybe look it up later, you'll still have a, a you know an okay time. You won't feel like things have been absolutely broken for you if you can't figure something out. Yeah. Um, so we, we've played this game two or three times. We've developed some feelings, I'd say. Yeah. What do we think? I do like a good tile placement game. Yeah. So do I. I generally prefer when they're hexes. Uh-huh. Okay. Just like squares and polyominoes. But it was still was very satisfying to me. This finding the right shape. And yeah. Kind of squishing it into that spot there. And yeah. Planning out what shapes to look out for in the future. That's all very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some creativity in terms of the different planet types as described. The nice themes that you have on these corporation boards. Yeah. Like all, when I had my rover abilities, all of my techs involved amping up my rover abilities. So there's... There's some thought that goes into all of these pieces. Yeah, it definitely feels like each of these corporations is is its own thing. I don't know if necessarily the text on this board that I'm looking at uh, mean that it, it corresponds to a company that would call itself Republic, but like they definitely seem to to come up with an idea about what we want this corporation to do and do a, a pretty good job of tying everything together uh, for each of these these wacky corps. So with all this creativity, which we definitely appreciate, yeah, all this energy that went into it, but what do we think about the game itself? 
Is it a game, really? I was just going to say that. Is it really a game? Because, man, I, I don't like the phrase multiplayer solitaire because it, it's it's meant to be, <sighs> you know, pejorative. It's meant to be dismissive. But but it really, this game really feels like you're just doing your thing and I'm doing my thing. And then we pop our heads up at the end like little like little celestial meerkats yeah. to see how we're doing. Really, the only thing that I would look at your board for at all would yeah. be to see your progress for the public objectives. Like if there's a, yeah. you know, have the fewest individual green spots yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I'm playing my game, you're playing yours, and then we bust out the calculators and see who did the best. Yep. Most and- of the time it was you. But still, like, I have lost enough games in my life that I do not let it color my opinion. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> there are plenty of games that you like that you also lose. Yes, a games that I love that I <laughs> that I never win. But this, this, yeah, this just feels like an activity. It would be, I think there is an app for it floating around out there. And I think this would be an excellent use of your time playing by yourself, you know, to try to like beat a score or to try different combinations of planets and corporations until you've tried enough of them to feel like, well, that was worth my, you know, 10 bucks or whatever the app is worth. I now know all the planets. Yeah, I, I know I, there, there are no more planets left to be unknown. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson can just retire right now because I now know all the planets. I also think this could be fun for a kid. Yeah. You know, to teach some kind of decision making where the consequences are, you know, it's not it's not competitive so much. Yeah. It says ages 10 up. And that's um, yeah, that seems about right to me. You know, maybe a little earlier if you got a really smart kid or fun with the in-laws, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's not really a game. When I think of a game, I think of like, you know, me and, and a group of other people in some kind of conflict, direct or indirect or something like that. And this is just, this is practically a roll and write. And we've got plenty of those that we can play that can play more people and, and can play quicker and give us, I think, the same sense of satisfaction. You know, the other game that I would actually compare this to in which the other game would win is yeah. King Domino. Yeah. In that you're building these different colored land masses yeah. that also have some icons on there. Yep. And one of the things I think this game doesn't have that it could benefit from is some additional strategery in mm-hmm. terms of how you connect your landmass colors because unless you have a public or private objective there's no reason to there's no reason to at all it doesn't matter at all yeah and so you just look like you're just making this this patchwork man this this should be a game about making a a quilt some kind of patchwork quilt (laughs) i see what you're doing i'm not disappointed with the purchase i think i got exactly what i paid for and i think if it is someone's type of game I think they'll really enjoy it. I think uh, as we've documented several times here, we have so many games and so much not space that I think this is one of those games that it's not a bad game. (laughs) So much not space. It's like um, (laughs) shelf 
not space. Shelf, it's like a... Or shelf unspace. There we go. There we go. We've got... That's what uh, I was trying to do. Ex- oh, oh, free. Planet, shelf unspace. Planet shelf unspace. This is a mess. We've made it a mess. We're going we're gonna to say that again. Do that again. We've got shelf unspace. On, on our planet known, in our, in our <laughs> house known. It's not a bad game. And I don't want to dissuade people from buying it. It's just not... We got to tell the truth, though, here. And it's just not a game for us. It doesn't really fit into our collection. It uh, it doesn't really fit into the type of game that we like to play. Yeah. So thanks for the opportunity to kickstart your game, guys. Uh, I'm not sad that I got it, but I think it's time for it to find a shelf that it can can fit on and, and its owners would actually really enjoy playing it. So off it goes to owner unknown (laughs) it is a truth universally known that the first rule of fight club is to never ever talk about it definitely don't make a movie about it david fincher but there is no such rule for Super Fantasy Brawl Club. So let me tell you guys right now, New York's hottest club is Fabulosa. We've got everything. We've got uh, Kung Fu Kitties, Vine Ladies, Angry Goblins, uh, Wheelchair Psychics, Brooding Cloaked Figures, and a Pirate. So like, come on down to Fabulosa because we've got got everything you need. Why didn't you do the voice? Oh, wait, what's the voice? Oh. Like what the Stefan voice? Yeah, exactly. Oh, because this is an original bit, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, it about. is nothing like that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So come on down, Fabulosa. Uh, we've got all kinds of people to come down and punch you square in the face. <laughs> just, just they've lined up, and you just get just punched left and right until you come out the other end, some archetype of a hero or adventurer. You know, maybe you'll end up as a, a talking shark. I don't think there's a talking shark in here, is there? Not, not. Well, come on down. Come on down to, <laughs> to Fantasy Brawl Club, to, to Fabulosa, and find out. And that's, uh, that is definitely 100% the plot of Super Fantasy Brawl uh, by Mythic Games. Uh, this, is, uh, this game, is, it's, it's been around a little bit, and it caught my eye on Kickstarter. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago now, I suppose, and came in a couple of weeks ago. They had to back the truck in, wheel the pallet full of boxes off into our front yard. This is really quite a stack for one game. Yeah. It is almost as large (laughs) as the shelf O games we need to get through and decide the fate of. Yeah. Just in itself plus its expansions. Now, to be fair, it's a lot of wasted space. You know, these are big boxes. All the expansion boxes hold three big models each. And 18 cards. And 18 <laughs> cards. 36 cards because uh, 18 of them are in France. Oh, good point. 36 <laughs> cards. But these boxes are like the size of the Dominion expansion boxes. Yeah. They're uh, th- yeah, they're, they're, they're sizable boxes. But they are now here in our house. We went down to the basement and we stuck a couple of extra metal rods underneath the floor to hold the extra weight of, of these games. And uh, we're here to talk to you today about Super Fantasy Brawl. Uh, what do you got for us here, Laura? What's, the, what's on the table here? Well, 
on the table, you have an arena. A big arena. Yep. It's full of hexes. Okay. And there are these kind of three zones in the middle that have colors. There's a yellow zone, a red zone, and a blue zone. Yep. There is a pillar, the center of each zone. Yep. That you can't walk through. There's some hexes that have traps, like little bear traps on them. Yeah. And there are all these really gorgeous miniatures that the three, uh, probably the six in the main set. And then we have opened two of the expansions Yep. Uh, and pulled out those minis as well. And we have how many more expansions do we have? Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> you might want to bust out your uh, calculator. Four more plus four the more on top okay. of the two that we've already opened. So that's another twelve models on top of the the extra six that we've already opened. Now I'm no minis painter. Yeah, but my husband is, eh. and these are actually really nice minis. I can appreciate yeah. how nice they are without being into the hobby of painting minis. They have a lot of character, a lot of detail. They're sizable, and I'm told they're made out of the good kind of plastic. Yeah, you know, I, I'm no plastics expert. Uh, <laughs> good thing Laura is. But, uh, you know, the if you on a scale of, of, of plastic, you know, durability and, and that kind of thing, which, which matters when it comes to this fine detail, on a scale of, of, you know, cheap, the cheapest plastic you can find that like you open it up and, and the things are like bent at the ankles and or the, <laughs> or the flag rods are all at 90 degrees, right? Um, from that to all the way up to the durable stuff that like Warhammer miniatures are made out of, uh, this is definitely, I've, to me, it feels like the closer to the Warhammer plastic that, that I really like. It, it just makes painting these things so so much more enjoyable when you know that your your paint's not going to get lost in the detail yeah they're great and like i said really a lot of character they would definitely capture the essence i think of the yeah of the fantasy brawlness yes of the fantasy brawler <laughs> the, the brawlamissitude uh one of the things that i was gonna point out is yeah. that there's not well okay they do better with some than others, but some of them I just had to laugh at the names because I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. You're going to call sure. the potions lady alchemy? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, I see that you put an apostrophe there after Al, so it's like alchemy, but Hey, what are you going to call the person perched on like what appears to be some kind of tree branch or something overlooking wearing a big old cloak? Oh, you mean the, the, the one who's like the Grim Reaper? <laughs> yeah, sure. Nevermore. Nevermore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that going on, but that's yeah. that's not pervasive to all of them. Yeah. And they, what would you expect from from a, a a game where the setting is fabulosa? <laughs> I actually thought you made that up. No, that is exactly what this setting is. What Fab this arena is called fabulosa? No, no, the whole realm is called fabula. Oh. Fa fabulosa is to super fantasy brawl as Azeroth is to World of Warcraft. Like that's that's what they've named their land. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They're not all that bad, but some of them are just a little bit eye rolly. It's cool. It's cool. And you it's know, cool. it's cool, don't... you guys. Are you, if you're listening, <laughs> you guys, it's cool. If you're trying to capture the essence of this character yeah. with, you know, these over the top detailed minis, and yeah. then in some cases, the name being really on the nose, <laughs> uh, and their abilities really fall in line as well. So they all have. Six cards. Yeah. 
And their abilities and their play style are also connected with this character that you're creating. So, for example, okay. our Nevermore Grim Reaper type <laughs> character basically... Poor swo- guy. We're picking on him so much. <laughs> swoops through people. It's one yeah. of the coolest minis, too. Yeah. Um, swoops through people and causes them to be afraid, which makes yeah. them run away. Uh, can also kind of conjure his allies up next to him. Yep. Abilities that really capture the essence of who you would imagine this character to be. So, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how this game is played? Yeah. So you've got these hexes in your arena. You've got spaces that can hold traps. Uh, There's six of those spaces, and four of them will always have some kind of face-down trap token. And these trap tokens can do anything from deal damage to stun to root you in place if you step on them. There are three zones, yellow, red, and blue. Uh, and each of these zones is uh, either completely surrounding or or has some spots next to these pillars that can hold plastic statues that we also happen to have that I just haven't opened up yet. Oh, we have pillar statues? We got big pillar statues. Oh, thank God. I was really <laughs> hoping. No, and I'm actually, I, I'm saying this in a funny way, but I, I actually mean it seriously. Uh, You're saying that in a funny way too. No, I'm being earnest right now. Okay, I almost believe you. The two-dimensional yeah. depiction of these pillars is not very <laughs> pillary. No, but we will. I go upstairs and I'll get them. They're in our. They're in our expansion closet. Oh, thank goodness! <laughs> I mean this honestly. Yeah. So you've got these these pillars, and they're functionally like impassable terrain. You can't. You can't. You can't necessarily, depending on the attack you do, you can't see through them. Can't move through them. Can't and certainly can't injure move on them. You can't destroy them. This arena full of hexes is the battleground. And every champion on your team has six cards. So if you have a team of three champions, which is the standard, you would take each of their set of six cards and just shuffle them together. Deal yourself a hand of five, and you're ready to play. What about these uh, three color cores over here? What's the deal with these? I was just going to start talking about that. Wow, them. we are so on the same page. <laughs> uh, these three cores that Laura is talking about is how you pay for the stuff that you want to do. Each player has three cores, a yellow, a red, and a blue. And that lines up with the colors of the cards as well, yellow, red, and blue. So on your turn, if you want to play a yellow card, you got to flip over your yellow core. There might be ways in one of the other 35 expansions that we have to flip those back over, but typically, once you flipped over a core, it's done. You can't spend it again. So you want to play a yellow card, flip over that yellow core. Want to play a blue card? Flip over that blue core. Want to play a red card? Take that red core, eat it. Just swallow it. You only get one. So just be very careful with it. We don't have any more of those in the expansion closet upstairs. This is how our nine-month-old plays the game, actually. (laughs) We keep her far away from it. No, dear listener, in case you can't tell, sometimes we we like to tell little humorous fibs on here. You don't actually eat the red core. It's flipped over just like the other two cores. Unlike the pieces in Azul. Right, which you do eat. Yes. And and it means you can only really play that game once every couple of days. <laughs> That's why they made so many different iterations of it. <laughs> in case you just want to keep playing Azul. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the cores let you pay for the cards. But if you don't have any cards in your hand that you want to play with those cores or you can't, then there's some standard actions that those cores give you too. Those standard actions can be move one space and deal one point of damage to someone who's next to you by bonking them on the head or move one space and heal or move one space and take a card from your hand, 
put it on top of your deck so that you can draw it on your next turn. It's called planning. Yep, th- that's mm. a keyword called planning. And when I say keyword, that is one of like 15 keywords in this game. There's a lot of keywords, uh, but if you really just got to hustle, then you can also just flip over one of these cores and just move two, move a champion two spaces. You know, that's a lot of movement. Typically, you'll find most movements are just one or two. One or two. Three is a long way. And three moving three hexes is a long way. And four is something that Nevermore, I think, can do. Only if he swoops. It has to be in a straight line. <laughs> that sounds like another keyword. It does sound like a keyword. We did have to look it up. So the object of the game is to be the first person to get to five victory points. And the way to get to victory points, the simplest way, is just to punch another enemy champion until they die from it. And you get yourself <laughs> a victory point. Also, at the top of the board is this conveyor belt of objectives from this deck of 11 objectives. And, and they fall into categories like control the blue area or control your opponent's deployment area or have one of your champions adjacent to each of the three statues, that kind of thing. They're all area control kinds of goals. Yeah. Go well, ahead. there's also have two leveled up champions. Oh, yeah. How true. do you level up your champion? Like I said, punch someone till they die from it and the character that did the punching gets to level up. And that unlocks some kind of new special ability, maybe gives them an extra health or an extra shield or something like mm-hmm. that. That's it. This has kind of been a little bit all over the place, but but just rest assured, it's a simple game. You you com- smash all your champion cards together, deal yourself a hand of five on your turn, play those cards, you get rid of the cards you didn't play, draw a new hand of five, and now you might have some cards that you can play during your opponent's turn. Those are called reactions. Things like, oh, I've got extra shields, which means you have to hit me harder to do damage. Or, uh, but to play a reaction card, uh, you have to flip over a core. Yeah. So by playing a defensive action, you actually... Hamstring yourself. From uh, being able to play all of when your... When it's your turn again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those are some decisions you'll have to make. Uh, in, for instance, in one such exchange that I'm particularly proud of, because I, I brag anytime I get a chance to feel smart... I knew that she was going to start punching one of my champions. And so I planned, I put a card on top of my deck to have a reaction ready during her turn uh, in the event that she would uh, punch my my poor kitty lady right in the face. And she did, and I played it, and it worked out really well. Tell them how well it worked out. It worked out great. Would you like to talk about how you won <laughs> one of the last seven games? No, stop talking about it, Laura. I don't want to talk about this anymore. No, it was actually, it worked out very, very well for you. You you saw what I had yeah. come in a mile away and you yep. prepared for it. Yep. Meanwhile, I did not see what you had come in. I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to punch her in the face and then move her out of the spot that she needs to be in in order to gain some points on her next turn. And I punched you in the face and you reacted with a card that's like, you can't move me. That's true. Yeah. There are, so each champion yeah. has one defensive action card in their deck of six. And there's definitely some that are like, hey, not only is my shield increased, but also. You get you, to run away screaming. <laughs> you can't move me. Yeah. Or not only is my shield increased, but also if you did any damage to me, you get that same damage yourself. Oh, so. My shield is increased, but if you did no damage to me, then I heal for three. And that's really cool. Yeah. All kinds of fun things. Yep. So uh, that's that's it. That's Super Fantasy Brawl. It is really just a pick up and play, smash the cards together and 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 punch each other in the face and control all the areas until the first person to get to five victory points gets to declare themselves 
ruler of Fabulosa and new owner and proprietor of Super Fantasy Brawl Club. Yep. <laughs> so a, what do we think? It's a very distinguished title. What do we think? What do we think of this game? Well, we like it. Yeah. There's a couple of butts, I would say. Okay. How big are they? Because you know what we have to say about those. Well, we cannot lie. <laughs> uh, I think for me, yeah. one of the big butts is <laughs> that this, <laughs> this can... <laughs> okay. I know you're going to do it again as soon as I start talking. That's not true. <laughs> this can... Conveyor... <laughs> okay. The conveyor belts yeah. that you mentioned about uh, of these kind of mostly area control, but there are a few other types of yeah. victory conditions that move down the top of the board here. And as soon as somebody starts their turn with that condition meant, they get to claim that card and the victory points. Yeah. The conveyor belt becomes really difficult to manage as time goes on because there can be four that score yeah. on any given round yeah. you know, as they advance along. And two of them are worth two victory points. Yep. That's a ton of points. And there's overlap in them yeah. too. So it's definitely possible to be able to score like four if you get lucky with how things line up yep. just by one set of positioning on the board. That to me makes things really, really swingy. And there are some champions who don't have cards that can help you displace other people. Yeah. Besides killing them. Yep. And it can be frustrating if you're, you know, like for example, a couple of the times when I won. Yeah. It was be it was only because I was able to position myself in such a way and kind of dig in yeah. where you could not keep me from getting all of the potential cards that I was up for. Yeah. No matter what you did. And then if you also had a bad draw of not having any displacement cards. Yep. Then there's literally nothing there to do and about I it. say, well, that's game. And we really frustrating. Now, I think this is something that maybe uh, I typically don't do this, but this might be something where we start putting in some house rules. Yeah. I typically don't like house ruling games. I figure they know how to design games. They've probably play tested this. But, you know, if a game is not really hitting on all cylinders for you and can feel better with making some adjustments, maybe we don't play to five. Maybe we play to seven. Yeah. Right? Uh, maybe we make it so that the first player can only spend two of their three cores uh, so that you can't just get in there and hammer someone down and get a first couple of early points. Oh, yeah. We did discover that we think there's a slight first player advantage, yeah. too. Maybe we play it like the way we house ruled Nova Luna, where uh, the first person to win doesn't actually win if the second player can demonstrate that they've caught up or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's wiggle room there, I think. Or a shorter conveyor belt or Something. not two spots where it's worth two victory points. Something, Something. like that. Yeah. We, can, we can tweak that kind of thing. I think the, the core of the game is solid. I mm -hmm. think I think there's there's fun lots of fun to be had here. I mean, how can you not, especially when you when you're a miniature painter like I, you know, purport to be you just half of the fun of miniatures is is getting them painted up and seeing them right there on the table and getting to actually do stuff with them and and when you've got a game that just has so much heart put into it to throw it out just because of a couple of things that could probably easily be house ruled seems a little wasteful to me <laughs> um but but that's that's kind of that's kind of how we feel about the game that's kind of where we're at yeah 
Do we uh, do we have anything else? Uh, I think the other thing I would say is that we're probably going to, especially as we bust out more expansions. Yeah. Uh, well, we're probably going to scour the internet for some good combos yeah. of teams because one of the other things we've discovered is that, <laughs> hey, this is a box. It's called Mental Might. I'm going to open it up and I'll play against your box called Force of Nature. And it will absolutely be an equal and balanced game, right? No. no. So <laughs> it is not the case that, first of all, it's not the case that a set in the expansion is meant to be played as a team as far as we can tell. Nope. Because the Mental Might team they're, they're great. Those models are great individually, <laughs> but it's two supports and a really fragile damage dealer. That's not, that does not a team make. Not in this game. No. For sure. Uh, and we just have discovered that there are definitely superior drafts yeah. of three to others. Yeah. So I think, you know, much like playing Dominion with the expansions, it helps to have some direction with Yeah cards that work well together yeah. or teams that work well together so that we can have a little more fun with it and not and not feel like we're literally playing a losing battle <laughs> yeah yeah uh that's true uh, other people have done that thinking for us and we can benefit from their wisdom i think but other than that we like this game we like it we're gonna keep it we're definitely gonna keep it and i don't know what the retail price is of super fantasy brawl is these days I would expect that it's probably in the 60, 50 or $60 range. Uh, and I think uh, 60 bucks for a full-fledged game like this with six beautiful miniatures. Uh, if you have any interest at all in painting miniatures, then 60 bucks for the, the size and quality of these minis, especially coming from Games Workshop land, where they would charge you easily $60 for one miniature of this size. I think it's kind of a no-brainer there. Hello, it, this is us. It's us. I think it's working. From the year 2054. It, it's, it's been a while for you, listener, but it's been only a few scant minutes for us since our last message. And we've just been actually so embarrassed. We made a mistake. It, we, we've been haunting our dreams for over 30 years, but we finally we have the juice to send back a message to you. It turns out Super Fantasy Brawl is only about like, like thirty-five to forty-five dollars. Go, go find it. It is definitely not sixty dollars. Oh, we're so sorry we got that wrong. Okay, we'll let you know if anything else important happens in the next thirty years. It's a it's a big, silly, romping, stomping, clomping, chomping, bumping. Wampin. Wampin. Frompin. Is that a Should word? Should we just go through the alphabet? Yeah, sure. <laughs> nope. Let's not do that. Because <laughs> we we are sorely running out of time on this segment. Yompin. 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 It's a yompin good time. Yompin. Put that yompin. on the box. Fompin. <laughs> Gompin. Okay. I think we're done. That's it. <laughs> the year is 1981. 81? I regret to inform you the year is 1981. You are no longer born. <laughs> That's it. You're no longer born. Uh, but good news, Lady Diana Spencer uh, has married Charles, Prince of Wales. The beginning of wedded bliss for those two. Full of hope and promise. Hope and promise. Space Shuttle Columbia, a very first space shuttle mission, launches into space. And uh, in a few years, they're going to have a couple more su highly successful missions. Um, nationally televised. It says here that Poland has just declared martial law. We'll just skip right over that. 
Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark has come out. What a year. What a year. Is it not a bad year? Can you think of anything else that happened in 1981? Uh, what they do not seem to be listing here in uh, in in the PeopleHistory.com was the release of a game called Dark Tower. Dark Tower was a very very memorable game from my youth. Not yours, because as I mentioned, you are not born yet. Of course, that would make me three years old. So I probably really actually only play this game around 1984 85 86 somewhere around there should i mention to our dear listener that <laughs> in fact i was born in 1981 and now my feelings are a little bit hurt that uh, you, you were born partway through 1981 fair yeah mm, good <laughs> save sir technically correct the best kind as we all know <laughs> dark tower it was this this board game that involved you taking a hero and moving around a map to discover magical keys to unlock the titular tower and to charge in there and beat just the holy hell out of a whole bunch of brigands until you win the game. And the tower itself was this computer, this really primitive computer. Had a spinning pillar with some lights and some bleeps and some bloops and a keypad. It didn't really keep track of whole bunch about what was going on in the game but it definitely kept track of stuff like uh how many warriors you had with you and how much food you had and whether or not you were crossed over into different areas of the map that kind of thing and was probably pretty decent at spitting out random events in your battle yeah you'd be you'd be fighting and then all of a sudden the dragon would show up or something like that mm-hmm. you can play a virtual version of this you know now in a in a browser but back then that was cool stuff i used to just play the game in my brain and <laughs> and would sit there with just the tower and just play the game in my own in my own mind all my friends that i definitely had back then thought it was a really cool trick <laughs> Um, but here we are, <gasps> 40 years later, and it's time to return. It is time to return to the Dark Tower. Uh, and, and Restoration Games has given us the return to Dark Tower. Not the Stephen King story that anytime without fail you mention this game, they will ask, oh, like the Stephen King? Nope, unfortunately, no. No flesh-colored trains, no uh, people with split personalities, and no man in black fleeing across the desert. Now, we have not played all of the scenarios. We are not true. guaranteeing that there may not be a flesh-colored train. That's at true. Some there might be a flesh-colored point. train buried in, in these scenarios here. But until we encounter the flesh-colored train, we'll just have to, to soldier on with this review. So after that extraordinarily brief intro, we arrive here at Return to Dark Tower. I kickstarted this. I say I... Because we certainly did not do it. Uh, you didn't even know we did it until I told you. That's hey, true. We but, spent $300. Well, but there was a nice video. Yeah. People were really excited. And I think it was, this was the first project that I ever kickstarted. Uh, hmm. And we finally got it uh, about six weeks ago, I, I would say. Again, giant truck, forklift, drops it off at our doorstep. Wait, when you say first yeah, it was the project. First, first one I kickstarted. And it took them a long time to get it to work, a long time to put it together and get it to work and release it. And I'm here to report, the short version is, I think this game was worth the wait. Absolutely worth the wait. Let's dive right in and talk about 
what kind of game this is and and what we get on the table. Uh, I want to start with some first impressions here. Yeah. First of all, big, beautiful box. Nice foil. Yeah. Uh, foil cover there. It looks like I would describe it. If you saw this on somebody's shelf, you might think it's like some kind of ancient tome. Yeah. It's got it's got a dual color. It's got like a a black top and a, and a, a white bottom side here with this cool red middle part in between. So it looks like this this double layer box. Check out the back side of the box. Oh, I never even saw the back side of the yeah, box. Yeah, you could you could set it up uh, and and face it either direction, either the dark side or the light side. That's neat. Good uh, work, you guys. Yeah. And then of course there's. I mean, there's the tower. There is the tower. Uh, this plastic, I would say it's a monstrosity, but no, I think it is a very impressive centerpiece. You know, it's actually funny that you said that because I was also going to say monstrosity. I was like, <laughs> but it's not. No. You can't say that. Definitely monolithic, but it, I wouldn't call it a monstrosity at No, all. it's big and it's heavy. It is a, definitely a piece of engineering. Uh, that, that that a lot of work went into and a lot of love went into it too. Yeah, it's a bit sculptural, really. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got these glowy lights. It's got these uh, four sides with uh, three doors on each side that can open up, and then this empty empty uncovered door down at the bottom. Uh, I know that this is uh, this is an audio medium here, dear listener, but I would encourage you to just go find a picture of this thing, find a YouTube video of it. It's it's pretty good looking. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Imagine like a castle turret that's made out of like a blood red yeah. crystals and then has these really gothic chains. Yeah, chains and like Crags. doors and stuff. Yep. And uh, it lights up sides. and it has mm-hmm. a speaker, a little tiny speaker. Uh, but the key to this thing is that it is an app driven game. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. The usual contingent of people who run screaming have now run screaming, and the rest of us can sit here and and talk about this game. What else we got here that comes in this box? Well, the map. The map. The and, big circular map. Mm-hmm. Divided into four quadrants. There's you know different terrain types that are color coded. Each area has a name so you really do as you continue to play the game start to become familiar with this yeah world yep this little this little world they've set up you get a bunch of cards get a bunch of tokens uh you get uh these big player mats there's four playable characters in the game and you get a bunch of plastic uh miniatures you get four miniatures one for each of the characters you get some plastic skulls you get some tokens Buildings, too. Oh, yeah, plastic buildings. You get all kinds of stuff. And it all fits really nicely in this box. I'm, it's, 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 every time we take it out, it's surprising to me how quickly it sets up and how quickly it tears down for how big feeling this game is. You, you get everything all set up. You turn the tower on, and you connect it to the app on your device of choice. And it goes, wah, ah, ah. Yeah. And then you calibrate it, and and you're good to go. So after all that, uh, how do we actually play the game? I mean, first you have to set up the app, 
yeah. and decide. Decide what you're going to do. Yeah. What is the object of the game? This is a cooperative game. There's a competitive mm-hmm. mode, mm-hmm. Uh, but we haven't tried that yet. There's the cooperative mode, which I think is, is a fun time in and of itself. Uh, and I'm not much of a cooperative person. We're, we're, we don't really do a bunch of co-op in this house. True. So uh, you first thing you do is you decide who you're going to try to beat up. Who's the big bad? Who's the big villain of this scenario? And I think they give you, I'm looking over there, and I see at least six, maybe seven bad guys. We've got here, we've got the Empress of Shades. We've got the Gaze Eternal. We've got Ash Strider, Issa the Exile, Utuku the Ice Herald, the Bane of Onions. Nope. The Bane of Omens, Grave Maw, and the Lingering Rot. Those are your those are your big bads you can choose from. And then there's a bunch of uh, increasingly smaller bads in size. Badlings. Badlings. There's big badlings and medium badlings and tiny badlings. Uh, and you'll pick one of each of those. Uh, I'm not going to go reach over because those cards are just out of my reach, but... You know, you got your level two, your level three, and your level four badlings for this scenario. So you can you can mix and match. All these badlings and the big bad all have different categories like melee undead or stealth humanoid uh, or or magic undead. That kind of stuff comes uh, comes into play later on. But that's going to give you maybe an idea of how you want to tailor the scenario for yourself. Uh, you pick a bunch of guys who are magic or pick a bunch of undead guys. Or if you want to make it you know, difficult and spread the responsibility around, mix them all up. Or just go based on the pictures that you like the best. Yeah, pictures or the, or if you, if you are like us and you have the miniature set, what are the cool, most impressive looking miniatures on the map? So once you've set up your big bad and your badlings and you've chosen what character you're going to play as, there's four. We've got Brutal Warlord, Spy Master, Relic Hunter, I think, is that what that is? Mm-hmm. Relic Hunter and Orphaned Scion. You're 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 set. You're good to go. There's two types of currency in the game. There's warriors and there's spirit. Warriors are they are simultaneously your hit points and your attack power. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird. You'll understand, dear listener, in a little bit. Spirit is definitely a currency. You spend spirit in order to make yourself better or to heal yourself of ailments. Or to buy stuff at the market. Yeah. There are four kingdoms on this map, so every player is going to pick a kingdom that's their kingdom. Uh, If there's fewer than four players, then the kingdoms that aren't being used are just neutral kingdoms, which is good. Because if bad things happen in neutral kingdoms, then the rest of us don't suffer. Mm-hmm. Who cares? They're neutral. Every kingdom has four buildings in it, a village, a sanctuary, a citadel, and a bazaar. And those four buildings do different things when, you're, when your little character lands on them and ends their turn on them and takes an action on them. Uh, and the idea is that you, the players, are going to work together to accomplish a certain goal laid out by the scenario that you choose in order to draw the villain out of the tower and then go punch the villain until they die from it. It seems to be a theme here in the games that we've been playing lately. Punch them until, until they die from it. Yes. Yeah. Fights are fights are interesting in this game. Fights are not about dice. Fights are not about playing cards in order to beat somebody. The app has this little deck depending on what you're fighting. Uh, The creature or the big baddie or whatever has a little deck and you're going to pick some cards and the app will show you those cards and those cards are bad things. 
discard 10 warriors or get rid of two spirit or something like that. And if you can't do it, then you take corruption. Corruption is pretty much like a strike one, strike two, strike three kind of thing. Well, corruption is ultimately really the only way that you'll die. Yeah, that's the only way that that you can get taken out of action. Some of the corruptions that you can end up with are things like you cannot carry more than two treasures. Normally, you can carry four. Uh, You cannot give other heroes anything when you trade. Or uh, you cannot carry more than two potions. Uh, If you ever get a third corruption, you're out. You're out and everyone loses. Yeah, so if you fight something, you better make sure that you're going to be able to, to take what they throw at you. And as long as you just outlast them, then you've won the fight. Yay! There are ways to make those things not quite as painful. With your advantages. With your so, advantages. So each of the characters have a different advantage kind of baked into them. Yep. I'm looking at the Brutal Warlord, and he has plus one melee advantage. And I'm looking at the Relic Hunter. He's got plus one humanoid advantage. Yeah. Also, uh, you will start the game with an additional advantage for a terrain type, depending on which zone, north, east, south, or west. I am the champion of the mountains. So that means I get a plus one wild advantage. That means a plus one advantage of, of all types. Uh, if I'm if I'm fighting in the mountains or if I'm doing something in the mountains. Plus, you can buy treasures and items and possibly potions that also have advantages in them. What are advantages, you might be asking? Hey, Laura. Laura. Yeah, yeah, Laura. Yes, yes, Paul. Paul. Hey, what are advantages mm. that I am asking? Allow me to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. So the advantages are ways that you can reduce the damage that one of the battle cards does to you so if i'm a monster you're fighting me you better discard 10 warriors but i've got a wild advantage in this terrain type that i am currently in i will spend it oh no now you only have to discard five warriors etc yeah and you can continue to reduce the effects of some of these cards to the point where in some cases they actually become a benefit. <laughs> did you? Oh, you, did I make you, did I make you discard five warriors? How about I give you two warriors instead? Exactly. Yeah. So there's definitely some amount of prepping to go into battle, which is just beefing up your currencies because you might lose warriors, you might lose spirit, but also maybe waiting until you can <laughs> battle on a terrain type where you have an advantage or maybe going to to purchase some tools to help you with advantages as well before you head in. You know, talking of the 80s here, um, I'd like to do a little diversion here into a little film franchise you may have heard of called Rocky. And if you recall, at least the first four Rocky movies typically end with him deciding that the way he's going to win the big fight is is to punch the moose in the face. No, is to get punched in the face until the other person is exhausted. And then he punches them in the face a couple of times and he wins. Yo, Adrian, we did it. That's this game. It's, it's just like, get yourself in a position to where you can just get yourself punched in the face enough times to where the enemy tires out and you win the fight. It's great. Uh, on your turn, you get, uh, some movement points that they'll give you and you can move around the map and, and in between this, these movements that you do, you get to do one heroic action. And a heroic action is a uh, either a cleanse, a battle, or a quest. Uh, a battle is what we just talked about, uh, where you just fight something. And by fight something, I mean just get punched in the face until they give up, and you win. Uh, a quest 
is something specific that, that the game might throw at you. Go to the Ash Hills and quest there, and you'll get a cool new item. Great. Cleansing, though, we should talk about cleansing. Oh, boy. Because up to this point, we haven't really talked about the tower too much. When your turn is over, you take one of these little plastic skulls that the game gives you, and you just drop it right there in the top of the tower, and it goes, And then your turn's over. But what might happen is you put that skull in, and it might spit a skull back out at you. In fact, the first time this happens, it's a little bit confusing. <laughs> like, uh, what is this thing? Yeah. Did I break it? Yeah. Uh, no, the tower is actually constructed of three... like Rotating chambers. Yep. So as you proceed through the game, you will be removing some doors from your sides of the tower, yep. which will reveal either a ramp out of which a skull may fall yeah, uh, or a sigil, which is a higher cost for you to do that thing on your turn. Yeah. But basically, as the game progresses, there will be more out ramps for these skulls. Yep. The skulls are the game's timer. When they pour out of the tower on your side, you need to place them in one of those four building types. And you can choose how you want to position them for the most part. Every now and then, you have to put them in a certain place. Yeah. But any building that would have a fourth skull put onto it. Gone. Is destroyed. Yep. And if that happens, <laughs> it causes corruption. If it happens to you in your area, you that's a corruption to you. So you take one of these corruption cards I talked about earlier. And remember, if you, the hero, ever take a third corruption, you are done for and the game is over. Except for the neutral kingdoms, which we said, we don't care about them. They're which neutral. was real nice when we were playing with two or three people. <laughs> Take that, Switzerland. Something bad would happen to Switzerland. Yeah. But the skulls are, as I said, they're the timer. So if at any point you get to the point where you don't have any skulls to put in the tower at the end of the turn. Oh, yeah, that's true. You're also you done. Run out of skulls, game. that's a paddling. So cleansing, what yeah. is cleansing now? Cleansing lets you, if you're on a building and you choose to cleanse, you remove all of the skulls from that building. Some of the characters have some extra things that they do when they cleanse. Is it the Relic Hunter? The Orphan Scion. When, you, when, they, when they cleanse a building, they can also cleanse an extra skull from another building somewhere else. These characters also have uh, other abilities that you can unlock. Um, and that is through the final thing you can do on your turn called Reinforce. So these four buildings all have something interesting that they can do. The Citadel allows you to gain some potions, or if you spend spirit, which we mentioned earlier, you can gain a virtue. And a virtue is, it's its an upgrade. It's an unlock. Uh, we have them in a baggie here. and They're character-specific. Yeah, they're very character-specific. I'm looking here. After you battle, if you lost at least 10 warriors, gain a treasure from the market. That's... That's cool. That's a, a virtue called a virtue called callus <laughs> that you assign. It's called callus. Yeah, it's called callus. You assign it to the, you know, the. It's an upgrade for the brutal warlord. You can buy these at the citadel with uh, five spirit. Uh, the sanctuary allows you to get rid of all of your corruptions if you're willing to spend enough spirit. The village allows you to gain warriors, which, like I said, are both your hit points and your attack power. And the bazaar allows you to get gear, which is kind of like basic stuff, like a sword, a cloak. Or you can spend some spirit to gain a treasure, which comes from the treasure deck. And these things are, are, are much better 
some of them can only be single use. Um, some of them are just plain better versions. Here's a better sword, but you can only hold four treasures. If you ever try to get a fifth, you got to get rid of one of them. Um, I think we've covered the game here. It's it's the scenario uh, that you choose, quest around the world, and and gather the three MacGuffins in order to draw out the bad guy. Or maybe it's move these trees into a ring around the tower. That was a fun one. That was a cool one. Uh, these tree tokens that get put on the board that you can spend an action to kind of move them around. And once you've created a ring around the tower, then you tell the app, hey, I've done it. And then the the big bad guy comes out and you have to gather your forces and, and gird your loins to get ready to have your loins kicked over and over again. But yeah, then the enemy comes out and you just have a, a big difficult fight with the enemy. You are able to retreat. So... What happens is, again, another movie reference, just like in uh, that Avengers movie with the big purple guy where they're all taking turns punching and kicking him, trying to get the the glove off of him. What's it, the eternity glove, I think is what it's called, off oh of his gosh. big giant purple hand. And they're, they're all taking turns, punch, punch, kick, kick, punch, 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 right? It's a lot like that, actually. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, until you either win, which we've done once, or you lose, which we've done all the other times we've played the game. Yep. <laughs> and we're not even playing it at the harder difficulties. No, no. There's, there's gritty mode, I think is what it's called. And no, not the mascot from the hockey team. Uh, he does not descend from the roof and, and dance around you doing pelvic thrusts. But he probably would. He probably would if we called him. Uh, no, it's gritty mode where it just makes the game harder. I don't even know how, but, but it does. I'm sure if well, you know if we got our act together and actually really buckled down, we could probably start beating it enough times on normal mode to where it wouldn't be a challenge. That's I think the takeaway yeah. uh, from this is that you really only can beat the game if you focus on what needs to be done. Yeah, you can't just you know gallivant about and. But uh, there's a better sword over here. Yeah, I <laughs> want the better sword. Exactly. Yeah, or like cleanse all willy-nilly yeah like it's definitely you have a choice you either cleanse willy <laughs> or nilly no you send the scion out and she cleanses willy and nilly and part of nilly <laughs> part of nilly exactly yeah. uh that's uh that's the game it, you know this was kind of a little bit all over the place i know dear listener there there's a lot going on but as we move into what we think about the game i would like to say it sounds like there's a lot going on and there is a lot going on but I don't really feel like there's a lot going on. No, because the app takes care of all the hard stuff. It's nice. It's great. Yeah. All those people who ran away, you know, three hours ago when we started talking about this game, they can still hang out over there. I see you over there, people who ran away from the game. We're over here having a great time. We've got our sunglasses on, drinking margaritas, having a good time here right outside. It's like a Dark Tower tailgate party. That's how we play it. That's what we do. It's totally true. Uh, the app takes care of everything. And there's not a lot of bookkeeping that happens in this game. Yep. What I like about this game is that it, the challenge level increases, but, but not because you, the player, have gotten so powerful that you just kill things in one hit. Mm-hmm. They give you more tools at your disposal, but they don't just make you hit harder. And I, I like that. I dig that a lot. You play games like uh, Descent or something like that, where dungeon crawler games like that, where you just get the sword of ultimate slaying by the end of the the, the scenario, and you just ultimate slay everything uh, until you get to the boss, and then they ramp the difficulty of the boss up, and you can't ultimate slay the boss. 
So you have to just like maybe ultimate hack at the boss a few times. This game, it's pretty smooth. If you if you get yourself whooped, it's because you did not use the the tools at your disposal properly. Or you didn't run away when you should have. You didn't run away when you should have. You should have uh, maybe not hoarded all the treasure for yourself and maybe spread it out a little bit. Stuff like that. You charge into battle without enough advantages or you fought someone in the wrong terrain or something like that. Uh, and and for that reason, I kind of am interested in, in, in continuing to come back and having friends over to, to keep trying it out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I only feel that we've you know, scratch the surface of yeah. this scenario as possible. And I also want to go back and beat the other ones that we haven't beat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think there's a lot of playability here. And yeah. if this sounds like your type of game, I would imagine that it would be worth the cost to you if you have people to play it with, because yeah. it's not like anything else you have. It is a, I think it's a crowd pleaser. It's yeah. really easy to to set up and pack up, as Paul mentioned. Surprisingly, there's there's just like everything just goes into the little insert. Boop, 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 boop. You could probably set this game up in under 10 minutes. Yeah. What do we think about the overall value of the game? Like is was this game I don't even I don't even know. Let me look up and see if you can buy this game right now. Please hold. MSRP on this game is $190. What do we think? Is that is that worth it? $190? That's a big price tag. It is. Um, How much did you pay for it on the Kickstarter? Oh, I so I <laughs> Not only did we get this, we got all the miniatures and we got some plastic bits, we got the neoprene mat and the expansion. And the expansion and I recall that costing around 300 bucks plus shipping. Mm. Um, but, you know, that was years ago and here we are today $190 for return to dark tower that's a tough call are you someone who wants a game with table presence that feels like an event have your friends over playing something that they've we've never seen before maybe you have some friends who've never played real board games before and you're like ah this is gonna blow their mind or you just you just like having cool stuff. There's a coolness factor here. There's definitely a coolness factor. Agreed. And, you know, Twilight Imperium and its expansion are easily going to set you back $200, $250. So, you know, there's it's not like there isn't precedent for people paying this much money for a board game. And you are going to have a much easier time getting people to play this with you. Though that's definitely <laughs> true. You could play this game three or four times in the span of a single Twilight Imperium game, I'm sure. You'd lose all four times. I was just going to say, you may not win any of them, but yeah. yeah. I don't regret buying it. It's going to stick on our shelf for a while because we definitely like games that, that provide a unique experience. And this certainly provides a unique experience. I almost dare, I almost say that it's a family game because of how much the app takes care of. Yeah, I was actually going to say that I think it's really accessible as well because... Yeah. Uh, I don't know, you know, we didn't weren't very, very specific about what you do on your turn, but it's very simple. You move? Every, yeah. Everybody starts with some little perk they get at the beginning, beginning of the turn. Everybody yeah. has their own thing. Um, you know, one extra spirit. And then in any order you want, you get to move some spaces. You get to take a building action. We went over those. And then you get to do some cleansing, battling, or questing. 
but you can do it in any order you want. That's it. You can move a step, take a pit stop and do a thing and then continue on. Yeah. Uh, very, very flexible, but there's not a lot of like complicated decisions to make. Nope. It's, it's where do I want to go? What do I want to get? And then what do I want to punch? <laughs> Pretty much. And you can't really ask for much more than that from a game that just looks this cool and, and is this much of an event to play. $190. Leave that up to you, dear listener. Uh, we're glad that, that we got it. it. It was worth the wait. And, uh, and if, you know, give in, give in, treat yourself, treat, treat yourself. yourself. So you know what? Treat yourself. Spend that $190 on the big Bluetooth driven piece of plastic in the middle of your table. I, I don't think you'll regret it. I'm just imagining actually like uh, cuddling up with the tower. You don't need to bed. imagine it. <laughs> like it's, it's happening it's on tonight. The pillow beside you. Yeah. So worth it. Sweet dreams, dear tower. I'm going to need you to do me a favor, Laura. I'm going to need you to block off the next week because you are going to be bringing me all of my food here on the couch because I think I threw my back out lifting some of these big, heavy Kickstarter games. (laughs) So if you could just make me that pasta bake that I really like and just bring it on over here over the course of several bowls, several evenings, I think think it'll work out. Have you tried eating... The minis from Super Fantasy Brawl. <laughs> I I looked up their nutritional content, and the only thing that it showed was a fist. I don't I don't need to be eating fist. Perfect. Yeah. So whilst I recover, dear listener, you can ponder our reviews. You can ponder our opinions. If you got some leftover bandwidth, ponder life. Ponder the meaning of existence, but don't ponder when we're going to come back and give you episode 13 because we don't know (laughs) life happens and we could end up having to do more traveling because it seems to always be the thing that stops us from making more episodes but we're going to try hard dear listener well we definitely just can't take all of the games and the (laughs) mics with us on the travels we've done that before that was a mistake (laughs) that was not a good idea we should have just left everything here uh but but well, I suppose you can resume clamoring once we sign off here. Start your clamoring again and continue clamoring while I recover. Uh, they hang me upside down with this cool machine and, uh, and, and crack that all those joints back into place so that we can lift more of these big boxes up onto this table and give you a second heaping helping at some point in the future of another round of Kickstarter games. But until then, dear listener... Uh, We want to thank you for honoring us with with your your ears. ears. You actually might be able to pick up the sound of her licking herself, so maybe we should hold on. She doesn't, I don't think she's going to meow. We don't pick up the sound when I do it, so. (laughs)